Let's take out our Bibles for our second scripture reading this morning. In the book of Matthew, chapter 22, verses 34 through 40, you can find that on page 1535. Again, this is Matthew 22, 34 through 40. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which one of these is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So, as I mentioned before, inquiring minds want to know. A little over two weeks ago, I received an email from Pastor Corey. said he was looking for a little help and asked me if I would be interested in preaching for him. Now, I didn't see this email at first because I have a bad habit of not really checking things around the house. I get so many at work and on my phone and everything else. It's kind of one of those I set on the back burner. But my wife had found this and said, hey, you really need to look at this. So I read it, and I really did not know what to say. My first thought was, my gosh, our pastor has somehow ingested some hallucinogenic drug or something. <laughs> and then something worse came to my mind. He bumped his head somewhere in this church, and we as trustees forgot to authorize fixing that something. So I gave it a couple days, and I really didn't know what to reply or how to even answer this email. So I finally came down and seen him. And I asked him that very question, Corey, did you really bump your head on something? Why are you asking me? That led into a long conversation. Now I told him, I said, if you're coming to me, you're really scraping the bottom of the barrel. But as it turns out, and to my relief, I was not the first to be asked. <laughs> Apparently I was the only one that was willing. <laughs> so that being said, I prayed on it. Try to figure out a million ways to say no. And unfortunately, I couldn't. I even thought, you know what, I'll use the work excuse. But that would mean I would be lying. So as it turns out, here I stand before you today to deliver a message. Well, this message, I wasn't really sure how to deliver it to you. So I really had to think about it. And I thought, okay, how am I going to be qualified to deliver some type of message that's, that's going to be powerful enough for my church family? Many of you may or may not know, but several months ago, myself, along with several others, decided to join a disciple group that Pastor Corey had started. Now, me being somewhat ignorant, I just thought, hey, this is going to be a cool Bible study, and I can you know, learn a little bit more about Scripture. And since I'm kind of in my infancy of my walk with Christ, so to speak, I'll become a little more knowledgeable. Unbeknownst to me, this particular study group was really designed for those who wanted to preach, teach, or reach out to others. Well, that was not what I had in mind. But nevertheless, we persevered. So to start today's message, I'm going to ask you a question. 
When you view the world today, do you ever get the feeling that hatred has become the new normal? That maybe we should just start accepting things because that's just how the world is nowadays. Every time we turn on the television or our social media outlets, we tend to see that many troubling things going on in the world from ongoing war in the Middle East to the latest scam trying to swindle people out of their life savings, ongoing violence towards one another, people living on the streets without food, shelter, medical care, religious conflicts, right down to the divisions in America's own churches, and corruption in our governments. We even see our own government becoming more and more corrupt as hatred for one another seems to be the focus point. This is definitely not something that's new and has been ongoing ever since the fall of man in the very beginning. As many of you may know, I work in law enforcement, and I have done so for the last 26 years. Throughout my career, I have seen and dealt with much more than you would ever want to see on the news. The biggest thing that I personally have and have a very hard time with is trying to figure out how to be compassionate as a Christian towards someone who I know to be an abusive individual towards others. In fact, over time, my compassion meter, so to speak, has dwindled down into the negative numbers. Especially when dealing with drug dealers and repeat offenders who simply have no regard for life, themselves, or others. I can certainly tell you it's very aggravating at times, and an opinion of someone can be made very quickly even when you don't really know who they are. Something a so-called Christian such as myself shouldn't really be doing. So as I said, a little over a month ago, well, actually several months ago, I joined Pastor Corey's disciple group. Now the purpose of this, again, was to uh, educate those who wanted to reach out to others, to preach and to teach and disciple everyone in the uh, teachings of God and Jesus Christ. Not me. <laughs> I had absolutely no intention of ever wanting to preach, necessarily teach, as I felt that I was still cutting my teeth on biblical knowledge and wanted to learn much more from the Bible before even considering what Pastor Corey had originally intended for this group. Well, as it turns out, a sneak attack came in, and we were all given the task of leading a Bible study. As a leader in my job, when you know your stuff, it's pretty easy. When you're somewhat on foreign ground, it can be a little unrattling. So with all the 66 books in the Bible, I really wrestled with what to discuss in this Bible study. Then I kind of had an epiphany. Duh, I'm a cop. I know the law. So let's talk about God's law. So I wondered how we as Christians would have to be to live an obedient life according to God's law. I dug through the Bible, found several great scriptures that I really felt drove that point home. Once I completed my mission, it was time to present. And at the conclusion, I received some very good feedback from my colleagues, if you will, in the group. After this, I revisited with what I came up with. And after studying it for some while, I kind of came down to the conclusion that everything that God has provided to us over a lifetime of generations really boils down to one thing. And that is love. Now, I certainly am not a scholar in biblical knowledge and don't profess to be, but I was able to understand this one aspect of what has been taught to us generations time and time again. Mark Twain once wrote, It's not that I don't understand in the Bible that bothers me. It's what I do understand that's the trouble. And love is something that every one of us should be able to understand. Old words. <laughs> So what exactly is love when it comes to biblical scripture? 
According to the Holloman Bible Dictionary, love is described as this. An unselfish, loyal, and benevolent concern for the well-being of another. Love also has several other meanings. The Greek described the top three most common uh, forms of love as eros, philia, and agape. Eros is the sexual and passionate love for one another that allows one to receive immediate gratification. Philia is described as a shared goodwill or friendship where we derive the name Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. And finally, there is agape. Agape love, which means the self-sacrificing love for God and humanity. This is the love that Jesus describes to us in his Sermon on the Mount and in his response to the scribes who asked what the greatest commandment was. And this is what I decided to bring to you today to keep in line with what Corey has been teaching us. As we learned in the book of Deuteronomy, we see that the first part of what Jesus had said to the scribes when asked about the greatest commandment. In Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 6, as we heard the, the Shema was delivered to the people of Moses, where it states, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give to you today are to be on your hearts. Now, if we fast forward in time a little bit, we look at how Jesus took this one step further in the book of Matthew. As we learned in our second scripture reading this morning, Matthew 22, 34 through 40, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees all got together. One of them, being an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment of the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Here Jesus tells us what the bottom line is. That everything that God has commanded from the beginning of time through his laws and his prophets boils down to love. Now again, what exactly is love and how do we love our neighbor? We've seen the definition of love described in the dictionary, but what exactly does Jesus mean here? For a better understanding, let's fast forward more in time to the time of the Corinthians where Paul addresses them. If we look in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul tells the people here that without love, you are nothing. You can have faith, the gift of tongues and prophecy. You can be the best giver to the poor. But without love, true agape love, you are nothing and you mean nothing. As we look in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8, Paul describes love this way. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, and it is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Love never fails. And I'll repeat that. Love never fails. 
Now, once Paul finished describing his love, uh, he also boiled it, too, boiled it down, too, just like Jesus had. In verse 13, he finally clarifies. And now these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Now, let's take a moment and think about this. This is not the love that we as human beings really know of, nor the love we typically practice. Although we think we come close, we are still missing the mark. This love as described by Paul is the exact love that Jesus and the Lord our God has for us. Never failing, slow to anger, always kind and keeping no record of wrongs. Without that, he would never be able to take our sins and bury them in the deepest part of the ocean after we accepted Jesus as our Savior. This is the love of a good and merciful God and the love that he describes to us to have to be able to be the upright and holy people that he originally created us and intended for us to be. And it's because of this love that God had for us is the reason why Jesus died on that cross, saving us from certain death and destruction. Now that we have a clear understanding of love, what exactly mean, does it mean to love your neighbor? Let's think about that. We need to love our neighbor as ourselves. We all know how to do that. We all know how to love ourselves. That's relatively easy if you really think about it. We go out and buy ourselves nice things. We indulge in things that make us feel really good, makes us happy. We go out and treat ourselves to great meals and have some yummy treats. We go on trips. We make sure that we have fun and, and have great possessions. But how do we love our neighbors like this? Are we to do all these things for our neighbors too? If I go out and buy them yummy treats, is that really love? How can we as Christians accomplish the command given by Jesus? Ask yourself this. When you make a mistake, do you go out and scorn yourself? Do you send out bad Instagram messages about yourself or, or post something on Facebook degrading yourself when you say or do something that might not be pleasing to others? Do you chastise yourself in public when you stumble or commit a sin? Of course you don't. That's ridiculous. And hopefully you just come to terms with it. But better yet, you repent to God, seek his forgiveness, and ask him for his spirit and strength. So to love our neighbor is to show mercy and compassion. Take a few seconds to say hello to that neighbor you hardly ever talk to because you're so busy with your daily lives going to and fro. At the grocery store, say, God bless you to the clerk. Lend a helping hand to someone who needs it. Spend your money on someone else who is down on their luck instead of indulging in that next fancy iced coffee drink. Sponsor a child in a poor country to help them live a better life. These are just some of the few modern day examples that I can come up with. But I can think of a better example that Jesus talked about in the book of Luke. Here, an expert in the law asked Jesus, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus then replied to him by asking him, What is written in the law? The expert replied by stating, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So then the expert asked Jesus, who is my neighbor and how do I love them? If we look in Luke 10, verses 30 through 37, 
Jesus replied by telling the story of the Good Samaritan, which we should all be familiar with. Here Jesus says that a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down this same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, who was considered one of the lowliest people in that day, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. He put the man on his own donkey and brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. When I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expenses you may have. Which of these do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell upon the hands of the robbers, Jesus asked. The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. That's a pretty profound but very true statement. This is how we are able to, or how we are to love our neighbor, by giving to those in need help, love, and mercy. In November of 2012, the Huffington Post came across a situation involving a young man and a homeless woman. During their investigative reporting, they found out that two strangers, after a chance encounter, had become very good friends. In their story, they printed that this homeless woman, every day she would be on the street, and as this man passed, she would ask him for money. Every day that man replied, sorry ma'am, I don't have any. After a week of this repeated behavior, the man passed by and the woman stood up to ask for money. But this time she said, I don't want to hear your same reply. The man then stopped and told her that he was on his way to a job interview. And he said, you know what? If I land this job, I will come back and I will take you out for something to eat. As it turns out, he landed the job. But he also kept his promise. During this interview, the reporter asked him how this came to be. And he stated, and I quote, I was so consumed with my own agenda that I never opened my heart to a potential need. Another reason for a missed opportunity was I simply prejudged her as having absolutely nothing in common with myself. You see, popular culture and social media often teaches us nowadays to support others of similar viewpoints, interests, and beliefs. But Jesus' command challenges the cultural norm. Now what about that first and greatest command that we looked at in Deuteronomy? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Christian activist Dorothy Day wrote something that's very difficult. Your love for God is only as great as the love you have for the person you love the least. That also is a very profound statement. And if you think about that, that individual, you may say, boy, they really irritate me. I can't stand them. If that's the love that you're showing towards that individual, that is the same love that we're showing toward our God. If we do not love, if we cannot love our neighbor, then how can we say that we really love God? 
As Christians and followers of Jesus Christ, our number one priority should be the Lord our God. When we wake up in the morning, our first thought should be of God. We should give thanks to him and invite him into our lives to help us with the burdens of the day. God sent his only son into the world because he first loved us. If we look in the first book of 1 John chapter 4, 13 through 18 says this. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. We have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of this world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world, we are like him. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. This is God's love for us. If we love our neighbor as ourselves, we receive God's love, which then lives within us. This love removes all fear of punishment from us so that we can then love. The fear of reaching out to another, the fear of rejection from those who aren't ready to hear the truth, and the fear of truly not loving God. In verses 19 through 21, it says this, We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. For anyone who does not love their brother and sister from whom they have seen cannot love God from whom we have not seen. And that has given us this command. Whoever loves God must also love their brother and their sister. Our love is for one another is driven by God's love for us. It allows us to become generous and unselfish, to give without no strings attached, to be forgiving and keep no accounts, to feel fulfilled, complete, and full of joy. In Matthew 25, Jesus tells us the parable of the sheep and the goats. In verse 35, he says this, For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. He then said that in the day of judgment, the righteous will come and ask him, Lord, when did we do all these things to you? In verse 40, Jesus replies with this, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me also. So when we show love, true agape love to our neighbor, whomever that may be, we do it to the Lord Jesus Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't think it comes any clearer than that. Finally, let's uh, look at Paul as he tells us in the book of Romans. In Romans 13, verses 8 through 10, it says this, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continued debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. 
The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other command there may be, are all summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. So I say this to you. Love one another humbly in love. Serve one another humbly in love. By loving one another, we can love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And if we can love our neighbor, we can show our love of God and his love for us. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. And this, ladies and gentlemen, is the bottom line. Love your neighbor as yourself.